You're listening to Hidden History, and I'm your host, Ellis Ducci. If you know any way that we can improve our content for you, the listener, drop us a line at hiddenhistory.show forward slash contact. This is the very first episode of Season 3. To catch up on all our past episodes and hear new ones every Wednesday, head on over to your Apple Podcasts app or hiddenhistory.show and learn something new today. There is a common legend that is often passed around through forward, forward, forward email chains and through Facebook image macros about the US government. The moral of this particular legend is that our government wastes a lot of money. And it goes a little bit like this. During the 1960s, as the space race was heating up, NASA was confronted with a pretty major issue. Lacking Earth's gravity to force the ink out on paper, ballpoint pens could not write in space. As a result, NASA supposedly spent billions of dollars engineering a pen that could write in space. The Soviet Union, as the story goes, just used pencils. Today we're going to deconstruct this myth and talk a little bit about what it takes to write in space. This is Hidden History. You're listening to Episode 33, Cosmic Correspondence. On January 27, 1967, Virgil Grissom, Ed White, and Roger Chafee were participating in a launch rehearsal exercise for what was to be the first low-Earth orbit test of the Apollo Command and Service Module. Their designation was Apollo 1. The mission was to last 14 days, to launch on February 21st of that year. Virgil Grissom, Ed White, and Roger Chafee never made it to launch. On January 27th, a fire broke out in the Apollo module. In the pressurized, pure oxygen atmosphere, the fire spread across the cabin in seconds. The fire melted their suits and oxygen tubes, exposing them to lethal levels of carbon monoxide levels within the module. All three men died of cardiac arrest. The heat had fused their suits to the cabin interior. It took an hour and a half to remove the bodies. It was determined after a NASA investigation that although there was not a conclusive ignition point, the prevalence of flammable and conductive materials had greatly contributed to the deadliness and speed of the fire. Not only did the Apollo 1 fire cause extensive political issues for NASA, but it also prompted a redesign of the Apollo Command and Service Module and a much stricter contamination control protocol for conductive items within its sealed environment. Pencil lead creates graphite dust, which conducts electricity. But unsurprisingly, it's a little more complicated than that. The amount of graphite dust that a regular pencil produces is, all things considered, extraordinarily small. And during the pencil's manufacturing process, the graphite is combined with clay to give it shape. While the resulting combination does not ignite very easily, it is still conductive. As a result of these two factors at the time of their inception, 
Both the American and Soviet space agencies used standard wooden pencils. In the 1960s, NASA began to use specifically engineered mechanical pencils that were designed to be held in an astronaut's glove, while the Soviets used grease pencils, which write using wax. Neither of these two implements had an incredible permanence when writing, but there was still an issue with mechanical pencils. Pencil lead breaks, and when it breaks in microgravity, it becomes extremely dangerous. Floating bits of material, conductive or not, are threats to mechanical components, air filtration systems, eyes, and electronics. So when inventor Paul Fisher, dissatisfied with the irregular ballpoint pens of the 1950s, invented what he called the Fisher Space Pen, a nitrogen pressurized pen that turned its ink from gel to liquid form on application of pressure. NASA bought 400 of them for $6 each, a far cry from the supposed billions they spent developing it. The Fisher Space Pen has been used on every manned NASA mission since 1965, and it's currently being used 240 miles above us in the International Space Station. Normally, this is where I'd end the episode, but since it's the first episode of my third season, and this one's running a little bit short time-wise, here's another story from the space race, and this one has a happy ending. This one is also about contamination control. Have you ever been to the Air and Space Museum in Washington, D.C.? Well, if you go in the gift shop, you can find the prized favorite souvenir of school children everywhere. Astronaut ice cream. Well, it was developed by Whirlpool, you know, the hot tub people, for the Apollo missions. But the thing is, it never got used, and supposedly during taste tests, the astronauts didn't like it that much, so it's not exactly astronaut ice cream. But that's not the story. I want to tell you, on the topic of food, about the first corned beef sandwich in space. So it's March 23rd, 1965, and the Gemini 3 mission has just launched. On board are John Young, who would later walk on the moon and command space shuttle missions, and Virgil Grissom, who would later perish in the Apollo 1 fire. As a prank, Young had smuggled aboard a corned beef sandwich from Wolfie's in Miami. He had hidden it in the pocket of his spacesuit, and midway through the mission removed it from his suit, took a bite, and casually offered one to Grissom. The two thought it was, well, hilarious, but others didn't think that it was too funny at all. At that point, all food that was made for consumption in space was either a paste or coated in a layer of gelatin as to prevent crumbs from floating around the cabin and wreaking havoc on sensitive machinery. When Young took a bite of the sandwich, little crumbs of rye started to float around the cabin. Thankfully, nothing was damaged and the mission finished successfully, but that didn't stop some NASA administrators and some members of Congress from getting a little bit upset. Eventually, NASA had to reassure the House of Representatives that no, there would be no more 
contraband smuggled aboard space flights. John Young would eventually serve for 42 years at NASA, becoming one of the most celebrated astronauts in the administration's history. He passed away on January 5th, 2018, at the age of 87. I hope you enjoyed that little last bit, even though it wasn't the most academic tidbit. Over the summer months, I might not upload an episode every Wednesday, but you'll get at least one episode per week, and there might even be a few weeks where you'll get multiple. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. I'm excited for what we can learn together in the coming season. May it be the best one yet. This is Ellis Tucci at Hidden History, signing off.